And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. My name is Billy Embody. Joining me on the pod today a little later will be Sonny Ship. He'll be on to share some of his thoughts off of the Under Armour and Nike camp circuit stops in New Orleans, as well as just some of his other uh, thoughts on LSU spring practice. And then, of course, LSU's new commitment, a big four-star defensive end out of the Baltimore area area jumps on board with the Tigers over the weekend um, so we'll, we'll cover that with Sonny of course LSU basketball advances to the Sweet 16 off a last second shot from Tremont Waters we'll talk more about that as well and how the Tigers match up with the Spartans that's just ahead on the go 24-7 podcast if you don't subscribe to go 247com a part of the 24-7 sports network check us out at go 247com Plenty to come this week as spring football continues to roll along just under two weeks now from LSU's spring football game. And uh, March Madness, of course, raging on with LSU going to Washington, D.C. this weekend with a chance to head to the Final Four if they can take two games in the nation's capital. So jumping into the pod, I'm going to share some thoughts from the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament in Jacksonville, kind of look a little bit ahead to Michigan State. Not too far. We'll get into that later in the week on the pod. Uh, we've got some guests uh, lined up to talk about the Spartans, talk about LSU, and kind of how things match up going into that game on Friday night against Michigan State. But um, two things uh, for me really stood out uh, from the weekend. One, I, I think this team's resiliency when things get difficult is is um cannot be understated and and while the difficulty it has at times handling large amount of success uh, big leads uh, as we saw against maryland especially on sunday um excuse me on 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 saturday um they in the final three or four minutes they seem to figure out a way to get wins and and really it, it took a sharp a red 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 hot Florida team um, in in the SEC tournament to to break that that trend really for for LSU and then um, the Arkansas game as well they they just had some mental breakdowns um, in those final moments where they they lost the game but. For the most part, uh, since the since really the turn of the turn of this season, after that loss to Houston, this team has been very impressive in in one possession basketball games and and handling late game situations. So um, that's a credit to the coaching staff. I think it's a, a credit more so to the leadership on the court with Tremont Waters and Skylar Mays, um, especially they they're doing the little things right to set LSU up for success at the end of the games. So um, that's one for me. Uh, another thing is is that when you look at what happened at the Maryland game when they went zone, I think it's um, being it's it's something that has plagued this team all year, right? A slower pace type of basketball game, especially playing against a zone uh, that that kind of slows this offense down, doesn't let them get up and down as much. And and it's something that this staff planned for, though. They they 
at least had a plan. They knew that if they got up on Maryland, they felt this matchup worked fairly well in their favor. Um, and, and that if they got up, Maryland might try some new things. So they did look at, you know, what they did defensively in other situations uh, outside of man-to-man, which is what Maryland typically plays. And so when they went to that zone, LSU shots just weren't falling and and the offense just kind of went cold in general. And for me, there really wasn't, there wasn't, the shot selection wasn't as bad as I think some people are making it out to be. I I remember specifically a few where um, they set a double screen for Tremont and he came off it and he shot the ball. He had a, he had a good look, you know, that's a good shot. And then, but, but some people just look at it and say, oh, that's a hurried three. And it's like, well, they, they just ran a set for him and you got him an open look. So I'm not sure what more you want. I think the, the bigger issue for LSU was the, the rebounding on the defensive end. And so that, um, that really hurt them. It gave Maryland second chance points. It gave them confidence. We saw Bruno Fernando get a dunk in there that kind of energized the team a little bit. So... Um, those were the issues that I think you'll see um, them work on more more so than anything. Uh, I've been asked a couple of times if I think Marshall Graves should have gotten a little bit more of a look. I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. And and with all due respect to Marshall, he's made some shots here and there this year. He's given them minutes uh, that were fairly fairly good um, when they did need him this year with Tremont out or Javante out, but. The fact of the matter is, 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 is Maryland's guards were extremely physical, pretty athletic, and to be honest, I think Marshall would have had a, a tough time keeping them in front of them. And so, um, and in that course of the game, it's when you when you're in crunch time too, and, you know, and you need your best guys on the court, you've got to go to your best guys. That's who got you here, and and I just feel like. Yes, um, Marshall's made some shots, but um, unless you're in dire foul trouble, you've got to have your best best athletes um, and and guys that have produced in the clutch. And and you know Tremont has has shown time and again that he can do it. Javante has shown against Tennessee and and Missouri and some other moments that he can do it. Skyler's shown that he can do it. So put your best guys on the floor. Those are your guys that have gotten you here. And in the NCAA tournament, it's time to go all in. Rotations get tighter, and that's a part of it. And um, you know, bringing Marshall in cold off the bench won't always work. I forgot what game it was earlier this year, but he came in and he went 0 for 3. And it, it just happened. I think it was, a, it was a time where Wade wasn't getting what he wanted out of some of the guys in the backcourt. And so he threw him out there, and he went 0 for 3 from, from, from 3. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it, it has worked before, but it also it comes with a huge risk. So... Um, the zone, I think, is a little overblown. I think it's a little overblown going forward. Look, these teams, especially Michigan State, especially Duke, um, if LSU wins, they're going to play man-to-man. Like, I know that there's, you know, the, this isn't football where there's a scouting report and like, okay, we're going to do this and this, and we're going to line up in this defense and, you know, game plan specifically for this you know, style of, of play um, like we've seen Dave Aranda do with certain, certain teams. But and while basketball teams do know how to play zone, Tom Izzo's team is number 16 in the country in defensive efficiency. They've done it playing man-to-man. He's a man-to-man coach. I'd be shocked. And, and 
you know the the you know, Bill Armstrong was on off the bench off the bench here in Baton Rouge this morning and saying the same thing. You know they just don't play much zone and they're they're a damn good defensive team because of it. So why would you go ahead and and switch that in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament um, with with how well Michigan State is playing even with the banged up team already? So um, it's something that look like. LSU is going to prepare for, just like Michigan State is going to prepare for some of LSU's zones. But at the end of the day, the, these two teams are going to play the style of play that got them here. Maryland was getting smoked, and they had to do something differently, and so that's why they went to the zone, um, and it worked against LSU. I don't see it against Michigan State. Tom Izzo hasn't, hasn't shown that he's going to do something like that for a matchup. He's going to trust his guys, and uh, he's going to trust that they go go after, go out there and, and execute. And if not, he'll get into their face, as we saw uh, in the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament as well. So um, those are just some opening thoughts on kind of the weekend on uh, in, from Jacksonville. Um, and um, I, I felt like that weekend... Look, all bets are off now. Um, this is a team that can get to the Final Four. They um, can beat Michigan State. It's a very beatable Michigan State team, in my opinion. The guard play adv- advantage to LSU is, is huge, um, even with Cassius Winston for the Spartans. Um, LSU has some really good defenders. And then Duke looked beatable against uh, UCF, and UCF had a really good plan as well for Duke. So. All bets are off. The final four is on the table for LSU. Uh, I thought the week, the first weekend was going to be their most difficult in terms of an emotional thing, in terms of um, uh, staying focused enough to, to get it done, and they did, and, and that's all that matters. I thought Tremont, Tremont's shot was, was excellent, what he was able to do and, and get by and, and make the layup was just uh, – um, I was shaking. I mean, as a, as a sports writer covering those things, like you are trying to make sure you're you're on point. You're not saying anything wrong. One. Um, so when I finally saw it went in, I was just in kind of shock. And then um, the the long, you know, almost full court shot missed, and that was it. And you're, you're just kind of in shock. So it was an incredible atmosphere. It was a lot of LSU fans in Jacksonville. So that was fun to see. It'll be interesting to see the crowd in Washington, D.C. with, with how expensive tickets are. But uh, expecting a good showing. If you're in D.C., hit me up. Uh, I get in Friday. I'll be around on Saturday, of course. Saturday afternoon, if LSU wins, the team will uh, have media availability around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then uh, I'll be around. So um, let me know if you're in the nation's capital this weekend, uh, and we'll we'll hang out. Um, moving on um, quickly, we're gonna we're gonna go to a quick little interview with with LSU offensive lineman Damian Lewis. Damian, this is the second time we've talked with him since he's arrived from junior college um, out of Mississippi, and he is he's a really good interview. He's kind of quiet, but you can tell he he understands the game. Uh, he has a good feel for the offensive line. He's one of the strongest guys on the team. I really like him at, at right guard uh, to continue to grow and, and be that rock there uh, for that LSU offensive line. And so here's a couple minutes with Damian Lewis uh, last week during player interviews. So when there were those pass protection issues a bit last year, I guess, what do you think kind of, was there a key issue you think that, that kind of led to that? Uh, it's just communicating out there, just knowing, knowing what you got to do, your circumstance, mm-hmm. knowing what you got to do. How do you get better at communicating? Simple, you know, talk to the man beside you. got to trust. You know, you got to trust the system, and the man beside you, he got to trust you. 
and just lead them. And like I said, that leadership be more vocal on the field. What does Lloyd kind of bring to, you know, this team as kind of one of the leaders of that group as well? Lord, a great leader. You know, he the one that I looked at. I looked at him when I came in. I sat, talked to him, talked to him. Well, we sat down and talked, you know, how we going to fix this and become a great offensive lineman. And, you know, he a great leader. I looked at him. And, you know, he going to carry it up because the offensive lineman going to carry a team for us we can go. Did you anticipate being a starter when you came here? No doubt. Whoever want to come to a big school like this, you want to start, you know. But I know that I was going to have to compete. I got to compete with some people. So that's what I like to do. I like to compete. I know what I was getting into. Uh, I mean, you've been facing off with some of the defensive linemen, I guess, who's been jumping out on that since this spring. Uh, I think uh, I get Glenn, Logan, Braden. You know, them's great guys. You know, good defensive linemen. I battle them every day. Nelson. What have you seen from uh, Apu? Apu, he's great. You know, real explosive. He's big. Come out the ball, quick hands. You know, he got a quick twitch. For a guy that big to have that quick twitch, is that kind of rare? <laughs> Man, you ain't going to see no 330 pounds like that. 330 like that, he coming out raw. That raw talent. All right, so I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Damian Lewis. This is the Go 24-7 podcast, go247.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Moving on now, this is the, we're in the back half now of the pod. Uh, it's time for Sonny Ship, one of our own, to join the podcast and break down some of uh, his musings from the camp circuit this spring and then what he's seen a little bit out of uh, spring practice when he was over last week to check it out on campus. And then we'll talk as well about LSU's new commit demon Clowney, the cousin of former number one overall NFL draft pick Jadavion Clowney. So with that, here's our little chat with Sonny Ship. Joining the Go 24-7 podcast right now, Sonny Ship. He's been hitting the camp circuit as well as stopping by LSU spring football practice. We're going to talk a little bit about that right now. Sonny, thanks for the time on the pod. Um, you've been to the Under Armour camp in New Orleans. You've been to the, the opening camp in New Orleans. Earlier this year, you were out at a couple other ones. Uh, there's been a push by a few players in the state of Louisiana for some rankings bumps. Uh, one of them is a guy that you've seen a lot of as of late, Major Burns, out of Baton Rouge, Madison Prep. What have been your thoughts on, on his rise uh, in the rankings and, and what he's shown on uh, the camp circuit. He's been one of the top top defensive players in the state now for, for the for the last few weeks. Yeah, well he's a guy that uh you know he he's a guy that is one of uh is is one of two highly ranked uh prospects in the Madison Prep Academy secondary along with Joel Williams. 
I think when you look at Major Burns, you know, he's a guy who started off uh, as a three star. He went to the opening, had a really strong showing there, and he 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 made that leap into the into the four star rank, and, and he's climbed up to he's climbed up in the ratings a little bit. And the big reason is that. When you look at his length, he's got that. He's got the length. He's got the size. He's only 16 years old. In, incredible work ethic, and I think he's a guy who could who could give you some versatility in the secondary. When you look at him on the hoof, he's a guy who looks who looks like a cornerback. He he's someone that if you're drawing up a cornerback with long arms, with a wingspan, with good length, with height, you know he's the guy that you would draw up right there. But the question is. Is as he gets bigger, is his footwork, which is which is which is not ideal right now. It's still good, but it's not as it's not as fluid as it could be. You know, is he a guy who could end up growing into a safety? And I've always kind of thought that that he was probably a better safety in the college at the college level. He gets up into that two hundred two hundred five pound range, and uh, you know we've got him rated as a safety right now. But I could definitely see him being that guy who goes into a secondary, you can put him at corner, you can put him cover in a slot, you can put him at safety, and really he's going to give someone a lot of versatility. And and one thing about him, he's, he's committed to Texas A&M right now. What are you hearing now that LSU has entered the mix? I, I like where you went with, with that versatility in the secondary. That's something that LSU really values in their cornerbacks they, and safeties. They value that length that you mentioned, uh, now that an offer is on the table from LSU, how, how big is that for him, do you think? I think the offer's big. And it's known that that Major, that Joel Williams, and that Jaqueline and Roy, who was once committed to LSU, four-star defensive end out of, uh, out of U High and Baton Rouge, they're all a little tight-knit group. And when Roy decommitted from LSU, Major Burns was committed to Texas A&M. The scuttlebutt was that Texas A&M was making a mad push for for Jaquel, for Jaquel and Roy, and if they would pull jo, uh, Joel Williams too and kind of hit the trifecta in the Baton Rouge area. But I think with Major Burns decommits, uh, one that's gonna that's gonna make a lot of Texas A&M fans mad because they were beating their chest when they got his commitment, thinking that they were gonna get all three of these guys from Baton Rouge, and. Yeah, I think that I think that Burns is gonna I think that Burns is going to is gonna look at Florida. He's gonna look at a lot of schools, but I think that the LSU offer by him decommitting so quickly after getting that offer, to me that is a pretty a pretty glaring sign that 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 offer gave him a lot to think about. And I think for LSU now the key is going to is going to be sorting out that board, you know, sorting out that in-state cornerback slash safety board because you've got Major Burns, you've got Bud Clark out of Alexandria who's a four-star cornerback. LSU offered him over the summer after he performed at the June camp, and they have to try to figure out how they're going to fit, you know, how how or if they can, if they want to fit both of those guys into a class that already has the, uh, the you know, one of the best cornerbacks in the country out of California in Elias Ricks already on board. And that's a great point that that, that board is, is going to be fluid for LSU in a, in a big way. I think there's a lot of good options. A lot of guys have visited. Offensively, receiver for LSU is, is another 
another area where there's kind of some uncertainty, some of these long-time commitments. Do they stick? We've already seen um, uh, Darren Turner back off of his his commitment. One guy that has really jumped up uh, in, in a big way in these camp settings has been Ja'Kai Douglas, the Terrebonne uh, athlete. He plays quarterback. He's getting to show his wide receiver skills uh, this spring on the camp circuit. He's somebody that's tested really well. What what have you seen from him in the settings that you've been able to to, to watch him in this this spring? Yeah, getting to see Douglas and Chris Abrams drain the other twenty the other twenty twenty commitment out of Alabama. Getting to see them two side by side at the under camp in New Orleans, it it, it was really fun to watch. Um, both of, both of those guys are guys who you, who you project to the slot. And Chris Abrams train with him playing wide receiver. Obviously, he's a little more polished. He's um, you know he's a guy who has the production at receiver to, to that he puts on his resume that kind of uh, that kind of backs up the body of work that you see. But with Jakai Douglas, I was super impressed with him. Now, granted. He had one of the uh, he had some awkward moments at working out at wide receiver, and when I say awkward moments, he would try to. He's so used to when he runs the ball at Terrebonne High School out of the quarterback position. He's so used to trying to make people miss in space, and he try he would use a instead of just releasing off the line of scrimmage, he had this strange stutter step that he would try to do to try to fake out the 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 defender covering him, and that's obviously something that he's not going to be able to do at the next level. And that's something that as he gets more work at wide receiver, works with wide receiver coaches, that he'll fine-tune that area of his game. But the part of his game that doesn't need any fine-tuning is he is electric with the ball in his hands. He has dynamic short area quickness. And what I was really impressed with was how smooth he was and how comfortable he was catching the ball with his hands, consistently going outside of his frame, above his head, down low, to the side, he made one catch to where the, he and the defender collided. He hit the ground on his back and still from a, you know, basically from a lying down position, just reached his hands up and, and made an, uh, just a remarkable catch in coverage. When you see a guy, when you see a guy make the catches that he made like that, uh, you know, it just screams natural hands. So, you know, I was very, very impressed with him. And any questions of whether or not he could play receiver at the next level, you know, they were, they were definitely answered. And not that I had many going in because I thought he was so dynamic with the ball in his hands. I really think he's going to be a big time playmaker at the next level. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. That slot uh, opportunity that he'll have uh, at the next level is, is going to be, I think, a perfect fit for him. And, and I think LSU is now coming around to the idea of, of, of him being somebody that, that you could see finding a way uh, into this class uh, just because of how good of an athlete he is. You get the ball in his hands, he can make plays. He's done that now for the last year and a half on the camp circuit kind of showing that athleticism that he shows from the quarterback position. He's not a quarterback at the next level, but he shows that quick twitch, that ability to make plays. Um, Sonny, a couple more guys that have really stood out uh, uh, from the last few weeks watching them on the camp. Who are some of those guys for you? Well, I, I was impressed with 2021 wide receiver Chris Hilton out of uh, out of Zachary. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen the accomplishments that he has on the track in the high jump. We we saw the numbers that he put up 
as a as as a uh, sophomore in Zachary's offense this past season, the 2018 campaign. But seeing him in person, seeing him you know, seeing him go and test and run like he has with with his size, with his length, I was uh, I, I was impressed with that. I think that. I think the wide receiver position in in Louisiana is going to be it's going to be another strong year for 2021. You've got you've got Chris Hilton, you've got a guy like Teddy Knox, and you've got several other guys who are already uh, who are already drawing national attention. But I think with Chris Hilton, to me, Chris Hilton, he he has that wow factor. He has that wow factor that when you when you sort through the rankings, when you try to fit, you know, when when we're trying to figure out who the number one, two, three, four, five player in the state is, and you, and for that number one guy, that number one slot, you want that guy to be electric. You want him to have that to have all of those all of those traits and all of those abilities that just leave you you know that leave you uh, with your jaw dropped at times and i think chris hilton for me chris hilton is that guy that when i look at him on the when i look at him on the field i look at him on the track i look at him in these camp settings to me he just screams a guy who's going to have that five star who's going to have that five star potential and who's going to be in that discussion for the five star five star status yeah, more more than impressed with with Chris Hilton and and what he's backed up uh, on the like you mentioned on the track on and the timing and and everything that he's brought to the table um, in these camp settings. He's he's been somebody especially out of the underclassmen ranks that's been more than impressive. Uh, LSU did in the 2020 class get some really good news over the weekend. They got Demon Clowney to commit. On his unofficial visit, uh, he's out of Baltimore St. Francis. He's a top 150 overall prospect, uh, cousin of Jadavion Clowney. That's always a good thing with those types of uh, family ties there. Sonny, what did you think of the four-star prospect jumping on board with the Tigers this weekend? Well, I think it kind of it, it kind of kind of came out of left field for me because. I, I always thought that he had an interest in LSU, but I thought him coming down and visiting that this would be more of an opportunity for the LSU staff to to cement an official visit in the fall. And I thought that this visit would be the one that would kind of thrust them into the mix if he had a good visit. Now, lo and behold, he comes in and he commits, and obviously – you know, we see so many decommitments in this in this day and age of recruiting that a commitment basically means, hey, I really like your school. <laughs> and so when you when you, when you but when you look at it, getting a guy like that on board out of Maryland, yeah, I think it I think it really speaks volumes to the job that Ed Orgeron has done in building ties with a lot of staffs and a lot of high schools from around the country. This kid comes from one of the top high schools in the state of Maryland. And, uh, you know, when, when, when you go back and you look at, you look at the state of Maryland, that's really not an area of the country that LSU has had a, a ton of success in. Uh, you know, when I go down, when I go down the list and I'm showing my age here, but some guys from Maryland that I could recall LSU landing in the past, uh, you know, there was four-star running back Barrington Edwards out of it. He was out of Maryland. LSU grabbed a punter out of that state, but hasn't really had had a ton of success in recruiting uh, in that area. So, you know, a good pull, definitely a position of need, and definitely adds a little, uh, gives the, the defensive side of the recruiting a little jolt heading into, uh, you know, with the spring evaluation period right around the corner when the LSU coaches will be out on the road canvassing the country. 
Yeah, you, you mentioned Ed Ogeron developing those ties with staffs across the country. That goes back to his, his days at USC, just recruiting nationally from that program. Uh, we, we see some of the fruits of that, that labor and those, those relationships paying off with the landing of Clowney. Let's, let's switch over to the current LSU team. You were out at spring practice on Thursday. We had some tidbits on Go 24-7 from the scrimmage that, that happened on Saturday as a part of that big big uh, group of unofficial visitors on campus as well. One of the big takeaways for us has been the defensive line and kind of where they stand. What did you see on Thursday, and, and what are some of your thoughts on that, that unit uh, as we kind of wrap up our time here? Well, when you look at the scrimmage, uh, Everyone that we've talked to, stay, you know, made the comment of how thin the LSU defensive line looks right now, and you know, I, I think that's been a, I think that's been a theme all spring. You have Rashard Lawrence, who is out after having off-season knee surgery. He'll be he'll be fine come uh, come fall camp. You have Braden Fajoko, who also had surgery on his on his elbow. He's a guy who is taking it easy. He's not participating in full contact drills right now. So the defensive line is really, really, uh, is really bare right now. Especially, you know, you've got Glenn Logan at one defensive end. You've got Neil Farrell at the other defensive end spot. But inside, I've really been, uh, I've really been pleased with the limited, uh, with the limited availability that we've had with Tyler Shelvin. I think he's in the best shape of his life since he's been at LSU. He looks, he looks a little bit leaner, granted. He's probably still about 20 pounds heavier than I think his ideal playing weight would be, which is, you know, in that 335 pound range. But you continue to see signs. You continue to see signs that that he's taking it seriously, that he realizes that he needs to shed some pounds to be able to give LSU, you know, a solid 30, 35, 40 snaps when the 2019 season rolls around. You know, Siaki Aika, another guy right there at the, in the middle at nose tackle, you know, he probably, he probably needs to drop about 40 or so to be at, at an ideal playing weight for him. But I think he's another guy that you look at. That when you toss a healthy Braden Fajoko in there as a guy who could play nose tackle, who could also also play defensive end, yeah, you know, I, I like I like the depth that that LSU is going to have at that position. You know, assuming that Shelvin and Ica are able to make those conditional gains that they need to make before they report for fall camp in late July. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right on on Tyler Shelvin, the work he's done. Uh, especially since that Florida game where he was left home. That's when the, the light, when talking with sources and, and, and all those those types of people around this team, that's when the light really has it started to come on for him in terms of what he needed to do on and off the field to contribute and to, to, to earn some snaps. So I think this is just, again, the maturation of, of Tyler Shelvin, which is a, it's a huge deal for, for LSU in the middle. They lost Ed Alexander, and now they have uh, Shelvin and, and Ica, who are both getting – uh, plenty of praise from from folks when we talk with them, and then they've kind of backed it out, backed it up on the field so far. Sonny, thank you so much for the time. Uh, we appreciate it, and and we'll have you back on the pod again here soon as as we continue to go through the spring. Sounds good, my man. And appreciate Sonny's time on the pod as always. Well, guys, that's it. Uh, that is your latest edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll be back later this week, Friday morning, first thing, with a full preview of LSU-Michigan State, wall-to-wall coverage of that. We'll talk a little bit of baseball on that next podcast as well, um, and we'll recap what Ed Ogeron said on 
Tuesday night as he's set to meet with the media. One quick note, the LSU Coaches Clinic begins on Thursday evening and runs all day Friday. So they'll be on campus for those for the back half of the weekend or excuse me, the back half of the week, kind of doing that. So we'll uh, we'll see if there's anything of note coming out of that. Barry Alvarez is set to speak on Thursday night as well. I'm kind of hoping that, that Joe Brady will, will have a presentation as well um, sometime in there that we'll be able to catch. So with that, guys, hope you have a great rest of the week, and uh, we'll keep you guys up to date on everything March Madness with LSU and, and spring practice as it rolls along here in Baton Rouge. So keep it locked on go247.com.